0: Hi there, it's Rachel zabonik Chanko here for another episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is the esteemed Chris Crater, who wears a multitude of hats, including CEO of ACAC, CEO of Weld Health, and Chair of the Ursa Board of Directors. We talk about industry trends, including the popularity of strength training and recovery, in addition to industry challenges, such as the rising costs of real estate and construction, and hiring and retaining great staff. Chris also shares his pieces of advice for other business leaders and provides an update on advocacy in Washington. All right, let's get to it. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining me on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because it's been a minute since we've connected. So I was wondering if you could just kind of give me an update on how things are going at ACAC. Do you have anything exciting you're working on that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, clubs are doing great. ACAC is in three states now, so Pennsylvania, Virginia, South Carolina. So we spent a lot of time in the car driving between all the clubs, but they're doing great. We've had a great 2023, 2024 is off to a great start as well. You know, it's been, uh, it's certainly been a challenge, you know, because the fitness business is never totally, uh, totally easy, right? But I think we've, we've done well and uh, we have a lot of really good people who stuck with us. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun uh, and still challenging. You know, no new clubs really on the horizon right now for us, um, but we're spending a lot of time renovating and, and repurposing and re-equipping all of, our, all of our clubs to to make sure that they stay, stay at the top of market.
0: Yeah. Well, that's very timely because I was going to ask you about industry trends and maybe you can speak to some of the things that you're incorporating into these renovations.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the trends um, have been talked about uh, in your magazine, but also uh, on the podcast too, is that... You know, we're seeing trends towards obviously strength. We've actually had from strength training continues to be a growth area for us. We're seeing uh, a lot of demand uh, for strength training equipment. Obviously, functional areas to support that. We've seen some of our cardio utilization while strong, a little bit less than maybe the peak of cardio utilization. A few from maybe pre-COVID. On the on the class side, you know, the, the most most popular classes the ones that are I would say unique to us. Right, we've seen a lot of our specialty classes, specialty instructors. Uh, continue to be popular, whether that be some of our um, yoga classes or hit classes or strength-based classes, uh, and we see that trend continuing. That um, in general, the strength-based Group X programs are are quite popular. The other things that we're we're watching pretty closely, Pilates uh, is is also been very much oversubscribed in our clubs, and we've seen some interest in recovery. You know, a lot of clubs are putting recovery areas in. Our first dedicated recovery area is. Uh, happening right now we're maybe slower to the game than some others but a lot of it just kind of finding the right spot and kind of the right mix that we wanted to put in uh for each club so we expect that to be pretty well received based on the initial interest
0: yeah very cool well looking more at like market trends for the fitness industry what do you feel like are some of maybe the biggest opportunities or maybe even challenges for the fitness industry this year
1: yeah i mean i think you know, On a macro level, the interest rates and construction costs are still both high. So as club owners look to expand and grow, they're battling both of those factors. So as we think about either you know, getting a loan to build a new business or refinancing debt, it may be at a higher rate. Uh, if you're looking to build new stores, you know, getting them equipped as well as getting them fit out is going to be more expensive. So that may put a blanket on growth, so to speak, a, a wet blanket uh, on growth for many operators. So that's something to watch. And then from an overall economy perspective, you know, inflation main, remains an issue. I know that we talk about it slowing down a little bit, but the simple fact is, is that prices are up 20% in the last three years and doesn't show any real signs of slowing down. Uh, and so, you know, as operators, we're we're going to have to be cautiously optimistic on the economy, you know, because while there's reports of a soft landing, there's reports of, hey, things are maybe not going to be as bad as we thought. My personal view, and I'm, I'm sure others share it, is that 2024 could be kind of bumpy uh, compared to kind of a smooth upward trend that we saw uh, for a number of years pre-COVID and even in, in you know, 2022, 2023, where the economy was really ripping. So that's my my concern. The other piece of it for the industry at large is, you know we operate large multi-purpose health clubs. And then quite frankly, there's not a lot of those being built. So we're seeing a lot of the growth in the industry is going to be in the studio markets and the franchise markets and some of the uh, you know high volume low price or high value low price uh, groups who are who are really expanding, but we're not seeing a ton of large multi-purpose health clubs getting built. And I don't know that that trend is going to change. So I expect there to be acquisitions in the trading of of those types of clubs as as folks look to uh, expand. Uh, who have our type of business model, it's going to be more cost effective to buy existing stores than it will be to go establish a new one
0: you know, and I know a lot of clubs in terms of challenges are also just still reporting, you know, staffing challenges, hiring challenges. Is that something that you guys are experiencing as well? And if so, any tips for overcoming
1: those? Yeah. I mean, we've seen that a bunch. We've had, I think you've probably heard the stories, people accepting offers and then deciding, you know, I don't want it or getting getting another job or even high turnover in some key positions. So we're certainly not immune from that. Uh, We do find that there are Interestingly enough, regional challenges. So, what I mean is, in one club we may have a hard time hiring personal trainers, but in another club we may have a hard time hiring housekeeping. So it does surprisingly it does vary in terms of which roles are harder to fill from a geographic perspective. I will say generally trainers, um, you know, are have been tough tough to recruit uh, in recent years post COVID, uh, and that is a challenge. So from a strategic perspective. You know, I encourage everyone to try to market their, their job. You know, the fitness industry is actually a fun job. So oftentimes you go look at a wage that you might get at a, a warehouse or perhaps fast food and say, oh, wow, look at the wage you could earn doing this job. But when you think about doing a fitness job, you know, A, you get a free membership a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of the times. You're working in a place where, generally speaking, when people come in there, they get happier the longer they're there, you know. So no matter how grumpy they are on the way in, they're usually pretty happy on the way out that they got it in. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a fun environment in that way. You know you're not dealing with a bunch of greasy food and all of those kinds of things. you know, so you know we have an opportunity to really pitch and market why fitness is a good career to people, especially because there's chances to advance within each organization. You know a lot of people who started out as trainers end up leading a training department or perhaps even one day running or owning their own facility. So I do think we probably do a okay job and not a great job of marketing of why it's a great place to work compared to, say, some of the others uh, that are out there because, we can't pay like Amazon pays. We can't afford to pay like the giant companies do. So we've got to trade on why it's a great place to work. And too often, I think it's easy just to post a job and say, here's a job, hope you like it, you know, move on. I really encourage everyone to market. And then on top of that, you know, pay well, right? But pay as well as you can to get the people you want because quite frankly, it's easy to switch jobs now, very easy, and if we're not paying at a wage that is at least competitive, you will, you will lose folks to a, to a higher salary.
0: Well, what's a piece of advice you could give to other business leaders for leading in 2024?
1: Yeah, um, actually a good question. Um, to the degree I'm equipped to give advice, you know, I think I've always believed that hiring great people and letting them do things that they're better at than you are is really a great strategy, you know, and I've been lucky in that I work with a lot of really smart, talented folks who, who are on their own, able to make decisions and drive the business forward. And so when you build a team of of people who collectively can be even a, a greater sum than just the parts, uh, that's when you can achieve real success. So for other business leaders, I would encourage you all to hire great people and let them run. Don't hire great people and then tell them what to do. You know, I think micromanaging and staying on top of this and, you know, really making people feel like they don't have autonomy and decision-making power and they don't have the ability to truly really execute will only take your best people and make them want to go somewhere else, right? So- I really encourage if you want to hire great people, I think a that's going to be the key to running a great business. But on top of that, if if you are hiring super talented folks and then pretending that you have all the answers as a leader, they're not going to be very long for your organization because they want to be recognized for their talents and have the ability to to make an impact. The other thing I would say is be patient. You know, the world's crazy out there. You don't know what people are going through, and uh, it's really easy just to uh, be impatient. Uh, so When I think about how we value our team at ACAC, um, it's about recognizing that there's a huge life they have outside of work and understanding that the more we can appreciate them as human beings and not just as employees, the more likely they're going to give more to us as part of the organization. And I felt like COVID only heightened that because, you know, we don't always know what everyone's going through. Uh, And so having a little bit of patience, a little grace goes a long way. And with that, taking the time to get to know your team is really important. You know, know what they like, know if they have three kids in college or one who's still in diapers. You know, understand mm-hmm. that they're an Eagles fan or maybe a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. You know, but but be able to understand who they are. Uh, we we have a club in Philadelphia, and then when the Eagles lost, I think it was a pretty bad day here. I wasn't <laughs> around, but you know, um, I, our general manager happens to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan who beat the Eagles, so. I do think that uh, uh, he, uh, he tried to keep it celebrating to a minimum. That being said, you know, getting to know your team, and getting to know them will allow you to make better decisions with regard to your management and better understanding. I, I think we, we want to we treat people fairly. We want to treat people the same right, and be consistent with that and have the same rules, but we may approach them differently. You know, we may have some folks on our, our team who are rabbits. And so when I go to go pet a rabbit, it's maybe a little bit different than uh, the approach I'd use with a porcupine, even yeah. though I'm going to yeah. be gentle and be fair each time, right? So I do think getting to know and who what makes everyone tick will allow you to be a better manager and 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 make a bigger impact on their lives.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, at the end of the day, too, you know, employees are dedicating a lot of their day to the business and sacrificing time with their family and friends and other interests. So I think the, like you said, the kind of least you can do is kind of understand who they are and what's important to them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: You know, we're just coming off of a kind of tough few years for the fitness industry after COVID. Yeah. I'm just curious, you know, if you're feeling kind of optimistic about the industry's future and what excites you the most.
1: Well, yeah. So uh caveat is I'm, Always an optimist. So it won't be a surprise to you to say that I'm optimistic about the future of the industry too. You know, we've seen a lot of changes, but the industry is very flexible and it adapts. It's, it's amazing that, you know, if you go back and I've been in the, 20 years now in fitness, um, the way that people approach fitness in 20, 2004 is very different than now. I remember yoga was something that you maybe needed to have as a club if you're at a more large multi-person club. Now you can't imagine ever running without it, right? So when you think about the change that's happened, I find the industry so adaptable and meeting a need to the consumer and being able to find ways to keep people mentally and physically engaged. So from an industry perspective in the US, like we're you know, trending in the wrong direction from an overall health perspective. And you know, we obviously are, are running health clubs that, that have some small part to play in reversing that trend. That being said, you know, we can still do more, you know, while we're really good at exercise, you know, how good are we at nutrition and food, which is the other, the other leg of that stool. As we even come out with some of the new drugs that are all, you know, all the GLP-1s that are out there and the Ozempics and WegaVis and others that people are taking, what are we doing as an industry to bolster the strength training required to make up for some of that muscle loss? So even in those opportunities where, or those situations where people are saying, wow, I don't need a health club anymore because I can lose weight with a shot or a pill or what have you. Well, actually, no, you still need us because, you know, having muscle mass is absolutely critical to enjoying quality of life, uh, into your, into your old age. So I do think that we've, we have a ton of opportunity and there are so many innovators in the industry that, you know, if you're paying attention, you know, you'll notice that it's no, certainly not a one size fits all when it comes to fitness and you can run a very small location that's very successful. You can learn, run a large one. I just think that, that this has never been a, there's never been never, never been a better time to be in the industry. Uh, the opportunity is massive. I think the understanding of, of getting in shape and, and I, I will tell you, getting in shape mentally and physically has never been higher, the awareness of that. And if you go to, I and mean, if your Instagram feed is anything like mine, I feel like I get 30 workout videos a day. So like the, the amount of instruction, good and bad, by the way, is out there, has never been higher. And so the idea that a, that a U.S. consumer is going to be a subway turning away from health and fitness, I think is, um, Certainly overblown, and the last part is the community aspect of health clubs. You know, I I wrote a I did a test with one of the early um, like Chat GPT things, and I said, hey, you know, what 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 parts of fitness could AI not replace? What are the things that it couldn't replace? And they gave me a long list, and you know, the list was taking a group exercise class, the community inside of a health club, like strength training equipment couldn't be done virtually, right? So. There's a lot of things that we do in our industry in terms of fitness, especially in physical locations that aren't going away. It's just a question of how we can continue to provide an environment where people are willing to come in and do all the work themselves. I think that's the challenge fundamentally for us as an industry is that we get paid money so people can do all the work themselves. And when we do that and have that kind of bargain, you know, it's not like you go to the movies and turn on the projector yourself and watch it from up there. You know, I think we have to continue to find ways to make this product appealing to consumers and find the ways to meet them where they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think the community aspect is completely irreplaceable too, and that people are really looking for that place to connect. I mean, because if you look at some of the traditional places where people did that, such as churches, like the mm-hmm. participation's going down. So there is a gap mm-hmm. and a need for that that can be filled through the gym. No question. Well, lastly, I was just curious if you could give us an update on advocacy in Washington. Is there anything the industry should be aware of on that
1: front? Sure. Absolutely. So, first, everyone get your butts out to LA, go to URSA. It's going to be awesome. A lot of really big announcements coming. I'll tease that. So, it's going to be an exciting uh, convention for sure. Uh, and it continues to grow. So, the convention is now basically back to where it was pre COVID in terms of size and vendors and, and scope. So, uh, hopefully, we'll see you all there. I'm actually winding down my time on the board of directors. So, I've had I think a, an extra year because of COVID, I got a COVID year. So I'm like one of those college quarterbacks that doesn't graduate, but of you know, finishing up year six and a lot of that's been on advocacy. So in this particular year, we're obviously continuing to work on fit, you know, as, as you may know, it's been out there. And seems like every time we get close, Congress changes hands and now we're in election year. So there is a narrow window before the election craziness uh, kind of starts uh, to get fit through. It remains a very bipartisan bill both Democrat and Republican support in both the House and the Senate. You know, I think that is very positive. Um, So we're fingers crossed there. But there's also a number of other bills that are being fought, whether it be click to cancel is out there. So the right to cancel contracts over the internet. So, you know, being able to, to have that right. We've been battling liability waivers, where in the state of Maryland, they're actually trying to get rid of liability waivers. And that obviously would have an impact on the club industry. And then finally, there's a lot of legislation around what I'd call they call them junk fees, right? So different fees that are added to various bills you have. Well, what happens is invariably, they write these bills in such a way where we get swept up in them, right? So, you know, whether it's Mike Kaczynski, Jeff Soulsby on the URSA team, the NHFA folks with, with Adam and um, Zaitsev uh, running that now, like everyone is very tuned into this idea that it's not just about trying to get some proactive piece of legislation passed. All very important. We'd love to see it happen. But we also want to make sure that we continue to stop harmful legislation from making it through state houses. I think that's really where, as an industry, we've been hurt the worst, whether it be a sales tax, whether it be contract restrictions, you name it, it typically happens at the state level where we're really hit as an industry. Uh, and that's where we're con- going to continue spending a lot of time trying to beat back what I would call harmful legislation. Overall, I will tell you that the IRSA advocacy team has never been stronger. You know, Liz Clark, certainly um, with her experience as uh, in in the washington dc world trade associations has brought a lot to the table and how to navigate that uh the Ursa PAC, which helps fund our outreach and lobbying efforts with congress uh, men and women who are sympathetic to our industry and our cause are willing to put their leg you know shoulders behind us has never been greater so you know is more than tripled under her tenure so we have a lot more horsepower now to actually go out and and, and lobby and, and and support politicians who can you know help us get our agendas through through Congress. So it's been it's been a lot of fun um, doing that. There is Ursa Fly in coming up uh, in May again. So, you know, a couple times a year getting up to Capitol Hill with everybody and trying to, you know, make an impression. You know, the goal is to have our industry uh, no longer be forgotten. And as evidence of that, I think it was maybe a month right at the end of the year, uh, Mike Kaczynski and Liz Clark were named to 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 a list of the top lobbyists for trade associations in all of DC. Right. So you know, we went from having no presence whatsoever in DC to now having one where we're recognized. And I think that's been a big accomplishment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tons of strides have been made. So thanks to Liz, Ursa, and yourself and the advocacy team for, you know, all the hard work you guys have put in because it's important.
1: Oh my gosh. And there's almost, there's too many people to to recognize whether it's, you know, you know Jim Worthington, who was who who, who really handed the baton to me off, off to me on the board, and Rodney Steven in the Midwest, who's been great, and Kevin McHugh in the Atlanta Club, and on and on and on. I mean, there's just been so many great folks who who really Gail Landers out of out of Chicago, like who really just never stopped pushing. And now we have a lot more of the industry behind us, and that's been that's been great.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time and, you know, sharing your thoughts oh on my trends and, and business advice and updates on advocacy. It's, it's been great.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. It's been too long. Yes. And, you know, hopefully if anybody is ever in South Carolina or Virginia or Pennsylvania, you come say hi. I'd love to have you at the club.